Hey everybody, welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. I'm Justin Crisp. I hang out every week with these two people to take a look at the gospel for the upcoming week. And what we want to do right now, what I want to do right now, is to hear what they learned in church school when they were kids about Zacchaeus on three, a one, a two, a one, two, three. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He crawled up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Okay, there it is. I'm going to your house today. Oh, she's still got more. I would, I, here I thought we were all done. I, I don't know what I was learning in uh, CCD in Del Mar, New York, but it certainly wasn't that here. It clearly didn't stick for me. It didn't. Oh, there's been issues, Justin, but now let's go to the scriptures. <laughs> Luke 19, 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of the one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Okay, amigos, we are already warmed up with your beautiful vocal rendition of Zacchaeus was a short guy. Okay. Do you know that my, my Sunday school teachers both... That the two that I are beloved listen to our podcast. So I have oh, to give a shout out to wow. Billy Luke Geyser and Marilyn Toller, who probably taught me that song. Oh my gosh, that actually is Isn't really, that great? That's super moving. So I'm, thank you, Mrs. Geyser and Mrs. Toller. That's awesome. That I know. I, all the Bible awesome. stories I know, I, have, I owe them. Oh, that's incredible. That. Wow. Yeah. That's incredibly beautiful. Well, that's, a, that's an example of being in a situation where as a kid, uh, Christ is caught and taught. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you, you catch this you, and you put it to a tune. That's a great, great story about mm -hmm. the power of church school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's good because Zacchaeus here is catching Jesus. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, um, I, I love this line. It says that, um, uh, so he, uh, no, where is it? he was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not. And so you can kind of, you can kind of, you get this visual, right? Uh, that he's like, he's, he's jumping up and down, trying to see Jesus, right? He's, uh, he, he's, he's captivated by this guy. He just can't see him. And so he does something. Uh, he, he gets up in the tree, right? Nothing is going to keep him from seeing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then he comes into contact with Jesus, and it changes his life. 
But this is a story, I think, of somebody catching Jesus and then of its effects, right? We catch the grace and then the grace works its, its it, the grace has its way with us and his life is, is never the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Nice transition, by the way, too. That yeah, was good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to make up for the fact I forgot the second and third stances of um, <clears throat> the Sunday school. Well, I, I, I do love that you mentioned he was trying to see Jesus. I mean, he really was trying. And I think spiritually, a lot of people try to see what this is all about and try to see Jesus. Oh, interesting. And um, so Zacchaeus, you know, he's short and he's also you know, an outcast of his community. So uh, I read something interesting about the sycamore tree. This is the only mention of a sycamore tree in the New Testament. Oh, Unless wow. you go to the King James where oh. they call the mulberry tree a sycamore tree. That's where I was headed. Nice, is nice. That what, what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Steal your thunder? No, yeah. no, no, no. I want you to talk about trees, but this translation <laughs> of the tree. Yeah, yeah. keep going. You I do love, love trees. trees. I, get, I go up the rabbit hole tree, mixed many metaphors. But <laughs> yeah, sycamores, I, I apparently in the, in the Mishnah and, and in the... Um, Medieval Talmud, there are references to sycamores having to be planted outside the limits of the cities because their their branches are so far-reaching and they're so thick. And if anything uh. ceremonial unclean took place under a tree, it would extend anybody else who entered under that tree because the tree was considered a kind mm. of tent. And mm. so sycamore trees might have wow. been on the outskirts of the town. So as Jesus is passing through Jericho he's leaving that town before he accepts any hospitality there. And so the crowd's sort of like following, following him out. And, and Zacchaeus sees this happening, runs ahead so he might not be seen, you know, and he can have his own private viewing of Jesus, runs up into this tree, maybe to hide, but also to see Jesus as he passes by. But of course, if Jesus can see him up the tree, so can everybody else. So they're probably, you know, scorning him and calling him names or whatever. Mm. And he's this, you know, man of power and wealth climbing a tree, which is completely unheard of in this culture. So Jesus would know his name if they're shouting jeers at him or something like that. But, you know, so Jesus is out of town, you know, noticing Zacchaeus as he's up in this tree, this sort of not so clean tree or or tree that's not welcome in the town. Um, and the idea was to preserve the beauty of the town, you know, so that's mm. why the, these trees might, might have been outside the town. So there he is. So I love this idea that Jesus is kind of bringing um, hospitality to Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. which he has refused yeah. from the town. But um, mm. to the Girardian point, <laughs> well, we should have like <laughs> theme music for the, be the podcast point. without, I know. Uh. I wouldn't Rob, be, it wouldn't be, over, I wouldn't be revved up if yeah, I didn't yeah, have listen. my Girardian point. But um, so, you know, he, Jesus has noticed this hostility towards Zacchaeus and gone straight to the victim, you know, straight to the target of this hostility and decided to transfer the hostility to himself. You know, he's going to dine with this outcast. They are going to scratch their heads. What on earth is he going to his house for? It's the evening of the Passover, before the Passover. Jesus is going to defile himself in this man's house with eat his unclean food, you know, and be scandalized and scandalize everybody. And so their hostility can transfer to Jesus. And in the process, Jesus can, you know, bring salvation to Zacchaeus' house. Mm. And Zacchaeus' response is to... um, be undone by this costly love of Jesus. You know, Jesus is sort of taking on um, all the victimhood of the hostility 
transforming it around, giving Zacchaeus this inclusion into the community. He's the son of Abraham. And Zacchaeus can do nothing but respond with this lavish intention to restore himself to the people he's defrauded and bring it to them, you know, bring, kind of extend this costly love out to others. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jesus has this incredible way of turning everything around where he can um, not, he doesn't have to create a victim to become a victim and restore the victim. You know, he can bring everybody back together. And I think that's the, the incredible thing about, um, about this story that, you know, brings it forward from the Sunday school charm. Mm-hmm. That was a smoking amazing thing to say. I totally is. I, I mean, dropped my is, mic, but it's too heavy. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, this is not just, um, <laughs> what you just did is you just took, you just took the story out of the, like the children's illustrated Bible and you, 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 you showed us the depth and the complexity of it and it's real beauty too. I mean, it, it did occur to me, um, that this is Jesus making good on the Beatitudes from chapter uh, or I think it's chapter six, six. of Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we might see this story on the face of it as, well, wait a minute. I thought we were blessed are the poor and woe to those who are rich for they have received their consolation, uh, you know, in the gospel of Luke. But, but Luke's Jesus in the Beatitudes also say, um, blessed are you when people hate you and revile you and defame you on account of the son of man and, uh, woe to Woe to you when all speak well of you, or something, because that's what uh, mm-hmm. that's what um, uh, your ancestors did to the false prophets, right? And so here is somebody who is uh, who is defamed, who's reviled, and so on. And Jesus is a keeper of promises and is the fulfillment of of God's promises, going back to his um uh, his first sermon in the um in the synagogue at Nazareth which kicks off his public ministry right where he's quoting from Isaiah 61 um I have been anointed to proclaim uh, the year of the Lord's favor and so on and so forth Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises and then Jesus is also a maker and a keeper of promises in the gospel of Luke and this is one of them this is this is him um this is him fulfilling that promise um you know when you are reviled and thought less well of, blessed are you, and blessed are you because of me. Yeah, um, more to come on that as our next podcast, uh, to set up the next podcast, is mm-hmm. going to be uh, All Saints Day podcast with the Luke and, the Luke and Beatitudes mm-hmm. piece, which mm-hmm. is coming for the following week. Uh, also, Justin, uh, following beautifully followed upon Elizabeth's insights, it seems to me that what we have in this story is uh, uh, not only the genius of Jesus, but we have the genius of Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, Luke, in, right in the beginning, Dear Theophilus, and he lays out an ordered account of the life of Jesus. Uh, and now we're coming to the end of that travel log. And, and mm-hmm. Justin, before we started this, was anticipating what we were all going to say, and I promised I wouldn't say a thing about Jericho <laughs> uh, because I've been to Jericho a bunch of times. Shout out to Eod, who's got the house in Jericho. But, you know, this is the, this is, he's going to go from Jericho to Bethany, and then he's going to go to Jerusalem. So we are really at the, mm-hmm. we're really coming to the end of the journey. Uh, and also, shout out to you about the tree stuff. That was really mm-hmm. interesting about <laughs> the roots of the tree and how little, I mean, how, when we know more about the biblical story and we understand this and the symbology of the, the stuff in the Bible, mm-hmm. how much more meaning there is in the stories. So mm-hmm. we don't just read it from a, a flat level where we, mm-hmm. you know, from the cultural 
uh, the cultural connections we have with the words. We lead it with the biblical connections with the words. Mm-hmm. They do have, uh, going against my early promise before the show started, uh, there is a sycamore tree in Jericho that, you know, tourists go to, but it's not the sycamore tree, I'll just say that. <laughs> and these are mammoth trees. And I'm reminded also, uh, apropos of almost nothing, uh, <laughs> that the, the olive trees, we had two olive trees that grew t- t- next to each other, uh, grew in, in uh, Phoenix, in our front lawn in Phoenix. Oh, nice. uh, and and biblical trees in their own right too, but they're outlawed in the city of Phoenix because uh, everybody is allergic to the olives and they drop these little nasty olives that get walked over your white carpets and your white floors in your house because everybody in Arizona has a white floor and a white carpet. Mm. As I said, apropos of nothing, <laughs> coming back to Luke's genius, uh, we have the guy, yeah, just ignore me. Uh, we have the gospel of the lost, right? And I mean, this is chapter 15. <laughs> yes, that's lived right. Out. Yeah. You know, yes. the prodigal son who's lost, the <laughs> mm-hmm. lost coin, every, everything's lost. And, uh, and Jesus' statement that he came, mm-hmm. you know, he came for the lost. And I think one of the cool things about coming for the lost here is that uh, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, um, I must mm-hmm. stay at your house. Not like, hey, Zacchaeus, I, I want, I'm hungry and I, or I need a place to lay my head. I must stay at your house as though he is, he's the one seeking Zacchaeus. He knows Zacchaeus' name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and he has entered Jericho, right, with the blind beggar at the gate. We had another story who couldn't see mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and with Bartimaeus. I mean, Bartimaeus couldn't see and yet knew everything, right? And mm-hmm. all the other people who could see didn't know anything. And now we have another guy who can't see. Uh, and uh, is seeking to see and to know. And so the, these stories, I believe, um, are not by accident. I mean, they're both in Jericho. They're mm-hmm. both sight stories, and they're both, they're both, uh, they're both conversion stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I might add also that as Jesus moves from the north in the Galilee and comes down to Jericho and takes a left and heads up to Bethany uh, in the Mount of Olives into, into Jerusalem, the crowd grows and grows and grows. Mm. And mm-hmm. the opposition to Jesus grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. So, I mean, all this is here. This is the perfect story for, for its location in the drama. Right, and the, and, uh, the blind beggar, um, you know, he's like the, the oppressed person. And we have Zacchaeus here who's been the oppressor of people. And Jesus has a place for both of them. Yeah, yeah, interesting, because they're both um, outcasts, yeah, right? They're both outcasts. For different reasons. Yeah, for different reasons. And you'd think that this crowd would get away with their reviling of Zacchaeus because he really has done a lot of wrong things. Right. And Jesus might say, Zacchaeus, you know, come down and own up to your sins, and then I'll bring salvation to your house. You know, right. or these people are right in what they oh, say. Yeah. You know, because they are. But he doesn't allow, he just doesn't take the time for that. And And I love that, like the prodigal son's father, Mm-hmm. Jesus goes out to Zacchaeus to bring him home. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, that's good. That, You're right. There are so Another many echo parallels. There. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That, that's exactly right. Um, it's, that's my favorite thing about the story this time through, um, is that Jesus doesn't wait on Zacchaeus to repair his wrongdoing or to repent Mm-hmm. or to to do anything. Uh, he doesn't wait on Jesus, on Zacchaeus to do anything before telling him, I must stay at your house. Um, the way that Augustine puts it is that um, the Lord who had already welcomed Zacchaeus in his heart was now ready to be welcomed by him in his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. something about the Lord's willingness to love Zacchaeus 
that loves Zacchaeus into the freedom to repair his past wrongdoing, mm-hmm. right? So his good follows his being loved rather than the mm-hmm. other way around. Um, Zacchaeus's good or bad behavior is a precondition of absolutely nothing so far as Jesus is concerned. I mean, Jesus is going to make this invitation and say, um, I must stay at your house today. And you, you have to imagine Zacchaeus had the ability to say no. Zacchaeus does not, but I don't think that if Zacchaeus had said no, that Jesus would not have made the offer. And here we have a kind of dramatization in the narrative of the way that grace works right and i've been kind of mm-hmm. i've been i've been um i've been bringing this up a lot in the last couple of podcasts because it's where it's where i am in my own in my own spiritual journey this emphasis on the fact that um that god's love is unconditional and that uh you and god are good regardless of whether or not you are good in the moral sense, right? And being good in the moral sense flows from the fact that you and God are already good in Jesus, that God already loves you and that you know this. Um, the other, oh, there was one other thing that I was, um, that I was thinking about. Oh, I do think it's, um, it's interesting here that he underlines a son of Abraham, because mm-hmm. uh, that is, as you were saying, Elizabeth, um, and you were underlining too, Peter, that is Jesus reincorporating Zacchaeus mm-hmm. back into the community of Israel. Uh, right, it's um, uh, and it is in some way, um, it's in some way, I think Jesus completing the reparation of Zacchaeus's past wrongdoing. Uh, you know, so Zacchaeus here, I think it's interesting. He gives away half of his possessions. That's interesting. He keeps the other half, but Augustine, um, in the same sermon from which I was quoting suggests actually that he keeps half of his possessions so that he'll have something to pay back these people right. with. Four uh, times or something like yes, that. Yes, exactly. He <laughs> pays them back with interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what he's doing. Um, he's he's um, uh, he he's he's uh, giving alms, right? And he's doing what Jesus tells lots of people to do, and then he is addressing the effects of his um, uh, the effects of his exploitation of people, and that. That takes a massive step to reincorporate him into the community and to reconcile him uh, to his community. But then Jesus completes it by reminding the community he too is a son of Abraham, right? Um, anyway, it, it, is, it, it is a beautiful moment of reconciliation. But the first step is that Jesus just loves this guy. That's the first step. And I think that's the step that makes everything else possible. I think it's the step that makes the whole Bible possible. So, and I think it's a thing that screws up every, all of our reasoning, is that divine love does not, mm-hmm. does not cotton to our rules. Mm-hmm. And then we don't cotton to the rules of divine love. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded, uh, uh, I'm going to touch on it my sermon this Sunday, uh, a great friend of mine and a person I admire beyond, 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 uh, Tom Fortner, uh, who is a, you know, who spent his whole life uh, defending the undefensible mm-hmm. and was a death row specialist uh, in Mississippi for 25 or 30 years. And uh, I was talking to him on the phone the other day and, and he was talking about uh, standing with people who did bad things. I mean, these people did bad things and uh, you know, they, they murdered people and things like that. And he was talking about uh, the love of mothers toward these people who did bad things. He said, mm-hmm. you know, the families f- suffer the pain too when, mm-hmm. when a person does a terrible thing. He said, but the mother's love is ferocious. 
Mm-hmm. That's love that transcends reason, right? And that divine love transcends reason. Mm-hmm. And and this is where, when we were talking in our previous mm-hmm. podcast, religiosity can screw everything up because religiosity that seeks to be holy heartedness can turn out not to be. But mm-hmm. Jesus has the holy heart to love, to seek all those who have been X'd out, whether or not it's the blind guy or the the, uh, the tax collector, mm-hmm. um, who, I, I don't know, I read this last night. Wait to hear this. This is the coolest thing. You know what the Greek says about tax collector? Calls him a tax farmer. Oh, That's yeah. actually what it means. Is that the coolest? And so this guy, he's just, oh, he's just like farming money. He's oh farming gosh. money. Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about olive trees in Phoenix and tax farmers. I don't have anything to say that's worth anything in this podcast. Oh my somebody, bring, somebody bring some knowledge he's to this thing. farming money. That's the best. Well, it's hard not to think about Bonhoeffer, you know, with this costly grace. And mm. I think sometimes that gets to be such a heavy calling and you think you have to be Bonhoeffer to be able to live that out you know someone who's willing to die for it and in prison and stuff like that but in fact um you know when you mention it in context of the love of a mother for the the urchin of that their son has become you know it's like uh, I mean the the costliness of that it doesn't stay in the low place you know Mm. and and I thought you were going to talk about Jericho and you I'm trying not to. But I will. I got a lot to so say about Jericho. Just one but word about it that it's supposedly the lowest place on planet Earth. It is. Right? It, it's down there. So Jesus descends into Jericho before he goes up to Jerusalem. And I like the idea that, you know, he's already, you know, this costly grace feels like the heaviest thing. And, you know, I don't even like to talk about it in theology because it sounds like, you know, no wonder we're not popular in the world and, you know, and no one can stomach that. But it, the, the, the outcome of it is the, the love that it costs. You want to spend everything on it. You know, it's mm. costly because you, that's the only response you can, mm. you can give. It's uh, like, it's, that's, that's pearl freedom. The field, right? It's like wanton spending. You're just like, oh yeah, sure. I can do that. You know, I'm so free. I can, I can embrace you too. I know totally. Um, but I, you know, I think that I, I just wanted to name that sort of movement from yeah, the, that's the cool. heavy I really low like that. place yeah, yeah. up I think to you're the on high. A roll here. I think that's really place. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Thanks. The only thing that I that I that I have to add, I agree, you're on a roll. The only thing that I have to add is um, that I I think that there's um. This is almost like an aesthetic response on Zacchaeus's part. Yeah, this is a man in love. And so, <laughs> yeah. and, and he, and, and, and the, his turning his life around, I mean, he turns his life on a dime yeah. right here. Uh, his doing that is, it's, that, that is a work of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is why I, I do, I love, it doesn't say he was jumping up and down trying to see Jesus, but I like to imagine he was jumping up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he did run ahead. He did. He did run ahead. I mean, this guy is attracted to Jesus. He's captivated by him. And just like, um. One of the reasons why I find that so important is because, um, I, you know, when we're standing before a painting or we're listening to a piece of music, it's not like we, we like will ourselves to be captivated. You're either captivated or you're not. You're either caught up by it or you're not. And so it, it's as though um, it's as though Jesus creates His own recognition in Zacchaeus. Jesus is like the great piece of music or the great painting that evokes the mm. response, mm. so that somehow Jesus is responsible. Jesus is to thank for both the fact that this man is in love and for all of the results of that being in love, right? Mm, Which yeah. do cost him, mm-hmm. and I don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. I don't think he cares because he's so in love. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. Also, how about the fact that Jesus looks up to Zacchaeus, which I also, mm-hmm. it's just one of those little nice. things. I mean, nobody looks up to Zacchaeus. Everybody hates Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Jesus looks mm-hmm. up to him. And That's it is good. great that he says that he's happy. Mm. Zacchaeus is happy. Yeah. Right? He's happy. Welcomes him. In. And, and, and all, what else we get? It's always in Luke, right? The happy, the grumbling, the grumbling, the grumbling, mm-hmm. the murmuring. It's always that, you know, that's always on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, we're coming to the end of our time here. Mm-hmm. Really so fun that this podcast began with you two singing. Uh, <laughs> and a shout out to your, your, your teachers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, awesome. from, and, and how incredible that for them to be able to yeah. to watch and listen to you they mm-hmm. they you know well done they gave um, me a lot. Yeah, yeah yeah anybody yeah, with anybody with a final word here before we we take off short in stature short of cash by the end of it but he's not <laughs> short on grace unbeatable we really are grateful to you for tuning in to Revved Up for Sunday, this podcast with the three amigos. Uh, we hope that that, that, uh, that grace is, is wildly alive in your life and that you two are happy. Uh, please like and share and do all that other stuff if you're in the mood. God bless you. Take care. See you again. 